What is what is metta? Metta bhavana, in words, is generally understood to mean a cultivation of kindness, or loving kindness, or just uh, non-aversion, which doesn't go down. Isn't quite so rapturous sounding thing. You know, I send you all my non-aversion. <laughs> Called, uh, and sometimes it's, it's talked about radiating it or suffusing. So it's what, what can we actually radiate? What, can, what does that mean? A kind of a, a reaching out, uh, and we could call it a heart quality, a reaching out of the heart, a certain way in which um, the sensitivity, the emotional, devotional heart quality um, pervades our experience. And metta bhavana, mindful, this uh, this cultivation is internally, externally, near, far, to the high, to the to the low, to the indifferent, to the hostile. This this is the way in which is, is these are the words that are used to express it: boundless, unlimited. Um, so it's uh, it's that reaching out and that kind of boundless sensitivity and, and uh, good. Goodwill. <clears throat> you could say it's really like freedom from ill will. The the heart space, if if you go to it, if you can recognise that your feeling, your basic <clears throat> mood, how uh, the what happens when you consider yourself your uh, people you live with, people around you. What, does anything come up? Does it just go, well, so what? Yeah. <clears throat> Nothing much. Or is there maybe a self-consciousness, a, a certain feeling of, like a shrinking feeling? Or an oppressed feeling? You know, people around you, nuisance, burden, hassle, getting on top of me. Or a feeling of basic mistrust, you know, mistrust of others or mistrust of yourself, feeling of, of like um, feeling bad about yourself for no, but not not particularly any, any particular reason, just a basic mood, a kind of ground level mood. Um, sometimes this this space is not really even looked at. We just it's it's assumed, and we tend to act from that place. We we our thoughts, our assumptions, our basic immediate reactions and perceptions of others. And maybe it's different for you for different people. You know, you get these things like authority figures or mother figures or father figures or whatever, and then those archetypes that uh, we, that are in our heart and uh, we see them enacted around us. So you see a, you know, you see a father figure and it may be nice to you Somebody represents that, and you're feeling trust and uh, care, and uh, you know someone who's helpful. Or it may be the tyrant, you know, the one, who, the authority who is always kind of putting you down. And these are not these are not thought. Sometimes they come into thoughts, but often they're just just basic basic instincts. And to the to the point in which they're not even recognised as external anymore. Uh, and they're not even recognised as being projected upon other people, 
And if you don't even realize that you feel that that person is a tyrant to you or a threat, you just, it can go to the point where you just immediately start to feel bad. <laughs> you know, somebody else is around and you don't even get to the point of, of, of imagining that, that, that somebody else out there is hostile. You just immediately feel threatened or you feel bad about yourself or you feel inadequate. You feel you start apologizing for your own existence already, you know, before anything's happened. Or you feel the, uh, the, the loneliness, you know, the, 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 um, so that other people tend to make you feel lonely rather than together. You feel left out, misfit. And these are things that uh, are often left un- unresolved, not even questioned. And then we, we meditate and meditate and from that position of, of uh, how we, what we feel ourselves to be, a need to get away, a need to be alone, a need to find somebody or whatever, without questioning or really, why? What, what is it that you, what's the matter? And for most people, this is not a kind of universal uh, every moment of the day experience, but it comes and goes in waves. Feeling of like a lack of self-regard, worthless, you don't count, you're the end of the line, it doesn't really matter what happens to you anyway. If you home in on those those perceptions and moods, uh, and just look at it a little bit clearly, this is... Um, this is off, isn't it? You know? And but you can be, if you don't focus on it, you can be just continually acting, trying to please people, trying to make sure you're approved of, liked, um, you're as good as the next. That uh, in no way can any blame be apportioned to you. So you always do more and more and more, and uh, feeling you've got to to keep up, and you never relax. And that, that's still that sense of nagging inadequacy haunts you. Sometimes it can be much more powerful than that, real bitterness and uh, towards yourself or towards others. Things that you have know, strong memories and just, just really stuck in you of, that you can hardly remember without feeling just powerful anger and, and uh, bitterness arising. But always the experience is one, whether it's subtle or, or, or heavy, whether it's how continual it is or how momentary it is, it's always one where we're, we're kind of shut in. Our freedom is taken away. We're, we're kind of shut into a space. There's no, there's no expansiveness, no, no radiance. So, so much so that, that um, you don't, we don't see loving kindness or the radiance of the heart as a natural experience, or just a normal experience, a way of being. We see it as maybe a, a chance occurrence that may happen, you know, once or twice in a lifetime if you get high, if, or somebody special does it for you. You know, we look for a, a person who will do that for us because it's so lacking in our lives that we have to have a special incident to trigger it off, um, which is better than not having any incidents. <coughs> but it, 
you know, it's nice to have it sometimes, but um, cultivation of this is to is to home right in there so that you don't have to have special experiences. It's just, you know, special people. It, it's just, it's the way that the heart is. It's its nature. Makes a lot of sense. At least when you look at it, you know, you figure it out intellectually. What is, what is? We call the heart the emotion, that, that's emotional sensitivity. You know, it, it is a, a radiant quality of reaching out. And why should it be always shut in and tangled up? If it is, as it uh, probably is for uh, most people some of the time, some people most of the time, even all people all the time, <laughs> Then, it's, uh, then we have to bring in the metabolism as a cultivation. Uh, personally, I used to find this meditation very difficult because uh, <coughs> it's always approached as now we think loving thoughts of loving kindness towards you know so and so. Nothing happens. You know, you, know, you think the thought, but it doesn't mean anything. Okay, may Pete Brown be well. So what? Yeah. May Susan Smith be happy. Good for you. You <laughs> 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 say the words, but nothing happens. You get a kind of feeling of boundless rage. Just feel slightly embarrassed. Particularly if you're English, you always feel embarrassed by most everything. Particularly <laughs> 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 anything to do with feelings. <laughs> and actually, after a while, I started to develop a lot of aversion to non aversion practices because it always seems so silly. And, um, you know, what am I doing this for? Sitting here saying these silly words to myself. Because uh, actually, although, although there's nothing nothing wrong with those inclinations but the, the, the problem is that you can't just for most people you can't just induce it by saying a few words it doesn't ha- nothing happens the words are only um, you know what's written down in a book or said in order to communicate something you know like you say go west you mean you, know, you don't actually just say the word go west you actually move that way you've got to use the words in order to bring around that kind of volition and so the words are there to just bring around that kind of volition, that kind of movement of the heart. And uh, it's, sometimes it's difficult to actually get the heart moving anywhere. You know, particularly if you, if you really feel compressed, congested, oppressed, frightened. You know. In fact, the people who most need to develop it are the people who find it, find it most difficult to get anything going. Because you can't find anything that you really feel a sense of benevolence and warmth towards. And, and then especially yourself. Sometimes you can just kind of bring up something that you do feel good about, like um, kittens, you know, or um, marshmallows, or... <laughs> <laughs> just something to get kind of a, bit of a few rays of sunshine bursting in there. Through the prison wall. 
So you can actually just contemplate the feeling of that which you find yourself, your heart uh, moves in. So you actually just to get it moving at all. <laughs> Something that you feel a sense of, of warm-heartedness towards. I mean, there must be something. <laughs> and, but then a lot of it, you know, this is, this is certainly something to do, to recognize that just to actually be able to induce that experience is to turn your mind an image, picture, thought, memory, where that feeling of gratitude or trust or, or affection, you know, or warmth, Arises where you feel that you, you kind of your sensitive expansiveness and, and uh, restedness, and then uh, and then a lot of the practice is just actually working into the the darkness, the either downright aversion or just that that uh, very hard-edged negate negative negativity, which needn't be aversion. It can be depression. It can be indifference, it can be callousness, it can be um, numbness, you know, feeling of lack of worth and so on. Or it can be just the emotional sterility. And to contemplate it with, uh, and then the idea of trying to, as, you, as we, with contemplation, is contemplation itself is a certain spaciousness about it. And this is really where non-aversion or metta bhavana begins you know, just the sense of being a little, a little less reactive to the, to the reactions the, react, the negative reactions so first of all it can be just that allowing a certain space to occur around one's fear or blame or guilt or anger you know, just allowing it to, to occur to come and to go and to, and to just be more more spacious, accepting. Just to witness it, first of all, can be uh, it can be a major breakthrough. Witnessing it without blaming, without trying to control, without thinking something's going wrong. And uh, this is where, of course, you know, we we're using the symbol of the Buddha. This is the blessedness of the Buddha, as as the witnessing, is that it's actually. Is the seed point for for radiance, for loving kindness, for compassion, as well as for wisdom? It's the seed point. Without this, you you know, without this, you can't turn the balance. You can't change the momentum. You can't turn it over without this seed point of just being able to witness and to watch and to more. Um, qualify that watching by, by that it's, it's less and less demanding, it's uh, more serene, more equanimous. And serenity is the ground of all of what are called the four radiances. That's loving kindness, uh, compassion, gladness, and a kind of rejoicing at what is good and uh, equanimity, as emotional 
balance, freedom from, from ups and downs. And the base of all of them is, is, a, is this serenity, the serenity of Buddha, of, what, of being able to, to witness and to watch without explanations or blame. So that's, that's, the, that's the beginning point. And if we practiced focusing attention, um, spreading attention, sharpening attention with other, other methods, um, learning how to, to go into the mind and, and be able to just hold a little longer around the mental impressions so that this doesn't just become a complete fog or a, um, or a hurricane, so that you can actually sustain some awareness of uh, mental phenomena as change, as impermanence. These are all inestimable um, values and uh, skills that will help towards the practice of metta. So metta bhavana is not separate from, from insight meditation. It's not like you do one, then you do the other. Um, you don't have to choose. It's just uh, when you're practicing mindfulness of the mind, then quite probably quite naturally what's going to be a very meaningful um, theme is non-aversion, spaciousness, um, getting out of your out of your box, out of your constrictedness. And um, the constrictedness that we experience can be, um, doesn't have to be from anything heavily <coughs> traumatic in, that's happened to you in the past. It can be just physical pain, you know, the tightness of the body and the feeling fed up with it and trapped in, a, in this uh, in a painful, aching body or, or in, a, in a dull or uninspiring mental state. It can be like that. Just, just something arisen because of present, present uh, that which arises in the present. It can be um, the constriction of our mind, which we can, we can actually in, we can use to endorse our meditation. Can be a feeling of of uh, fear or inadequacy to deal with the complexities, the apparent, the apparent complexities of life, uh, or of, the, of the, the emotions and feelings we have. So with that, that sense of inadequacy or uncertainty can actually uh, empower us to, to, to be very suppressive in our meditation and think we're, and think we're just kind of concentrating and uh, really developing something special. So be aware of when, of when, uh, how to use uh, suppressive means. Just that which is necessary, say, if you need it, to enable you to maintain this quality of, of viveka, of, of non-attachment, of being able to witness, but no further. As we become more skillful, then that quality of, of Vitaka, vichara, the sustained attention and sustained intelligence becomes more natural, more continual mode if you exercise it continually. And you don't, you don't have to have such a, a narrow, constrictive um, focus 
on your practice. It becomes more meaningful to, to open it up because that's, that's the, one of the fundamental um, hazards of any meditation practice is that because it's chosen and determined, you know, you do, then the reasons why it's chosen and determined are not always clearly uh, understood. And we have to keep reviewing. You know, why, why do I meditate anyway? What am I trying to see? What am I trying to find? What's on my agenda? And to keep just being aware of that so that you don't end up turning meditation into a, into a, a kind of obsession where the self-views are enhanced and strengthened rather than uh, liberated from. Sometimes you, know, you can feel you're meditating just so that, you don't, that if you don't, you'll, you'll, you'll blame yourself. You know, you feel you slacker. You're, you're not doing it, and you're meditating just because of the fear of your mind will start beating you up if you don't. <laughs> you're no good. You haven't got anywhere. Have you? You're weak. You're weakling. You never stay with anything, do you? <laughs> that kind of thing um, can be coming up, or it becomes work. We used to call it working with ourselves. And I'd better to say play actually would be better. I think as a more useful um, med- uh, theme rather than work. Because work always gets this very heavy handed, you've got to do my duty, got to get work, got to come out with the goods kind of stuff at the end of the day. I had to think of, of meditation as like, a, like play. Not, not a silly kind of play, but like the play of theatre. Or a, or a skillful, a skillful game where you're really um, using themes and symbols to 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 create certain conducive spaces in your heart. <coughs> and of course, uh, these uh, techniques are their plays. They are they are stages. And then this is what stage of meditation you, you're at. <laughs> my stage at the moment is a comedy playhouse. <laughs> well, they are. They're like you know, a stage is a little, a little area. What's called a contemplation, and a, I mean from the word a temple, yeah, and you're creating a temple. And a temple was always a was originally it was an area of land that that the, the that was pegged out marked out like a pitch and and this was considered a sacred area and then the idea was you you walk inside this little pitch and then you look at the stars and look at the movement of birds and you you try to divine get divine meanings from these you create a sacred space in which you look with, with attention and awe and open-mindedness onto the, onto the phenomena, natural phenomena. And that's what contemplation is. And meditation is, is, is creating the pitch. It's setting up a, a system. But of course the pitch is not the system. It's not like, it's, the pitch is not the, the space. It's not the, it's not the witnessing.
sometimes as you when you've been practicing meditation for a little while and just just to be able to 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 come and sit sit down and ask you know, how are you feeling or what's wrong that kind of question what what do you need now what's wrong now oh yeah I feel tired uh, feel restless uh, pain in my hip uh, you know, I don't know, I just feel, I feel, I feel unloved today. I just feel, somebody, somebody gave me a hard time today. You know? What is, is, you can just kind of sweep around. And what, what's wrong? Do you, feel, do you feel blissful or not? <laughs> if you don't feel blissful. <laughs> or peaceful. And uh, you know, you don't feel any kind of expansiveness of heart, warm-heartedness. Then what is it? And it can be a number of things. It can be something as simple as just a physical pain, or you had just had an argument with somebody, or you you did something silly and you know you regret it. Or it can be just the whole kind of feeling of uh, of of of. Um, You know, be, not being something you should be doing now, something you should be achieving now, something you should be getting now, and you've missed out—a kind of a real shadow that, uh, without any particular, any particular form creating that shadow, just a kind of perpetual shadow of, of inadequacy. And then these are—we look at these 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 areas, these experiences, and the idea of, the, of metta bhavana is you begin to to uh, turn towards those rather than act upon them, rather than be motivated by them, or fight with them, or you know just conceptually proliferate about them. You know why am I feeling like it's because of this? But uh, just touch them, touch the the inadequacies, the lack, the hurting, and just go go towards it. With that, the mind that's spacious and beginning to cultivate that, that witnessing quality and accepting. We're going towards it not in order to, to cast it out, but to, to accept the shadow. <coughs> to uh, accept it as, as, as vigorously as we can. <coughs> So in, in the, the, that practice, you know, you can be sitting for 10 minutes, half an hour or so, you know, even longer, just kind of working with that, as a reg- even as a regular theme. It's both insightful, it's, con- it's focused, and it's a practice of, uh, of metta at the same time. And as you, as you uh, find your, maybe your, your attention sharpening and becoming more reliable over time, and to, to you see that really one needs to be able to work into the, the mind-heart space and uh, brighten and clear these things that cause us unnecessary suffering.
cultivating metta towards others is this expression towards all beings is, is a, an extension on the same, same principle we mean, we mean others we mean others as we experience them the sense of somebody other than yourself and how, how you experience that do you feel you have to win people over get them on your side do you feel nervous about them um, do you feel or do you even kind of cover that by being blustering and aggressive you know? I don't care about anybody I'm alright which probably means you, you care so much that you don't even, you don't even recognize it so you can do it, it's kind of blustering, hard uh, skin to, to, uh, to not have to feel the sense of, of uh, uncertainty because the other <coughs> is always uncertain. I don't know anybody else at all. I don't know what's, any, I can't say what anybody else, where anybody else is at at all. I don't know where they're at. Do we know finding out where I'm at? Anybody else? So, the, and how, how can it be any other way? The other must be other. And as such, it's uncertain. You don't know. It could be, could be dangerous. Could be malevolent. Could be many things. And some of it is. So when we cultivating metta towards others is like looking at maybe one's need to feel you're, you're defusing people's possible attacks you know, so you go, you're trying to kind of make sure that nobody gives you a hard time and you, you're kind of <coughs> pleasing everybody you want to do that or sealing yourself off from everybody you want to do that you know, or, or uh, that kind of hardness or just basically getting out of it all sometimes because the, the, the uncertainty of the moment means that uh, any kind of feeling could, any kind of emotion could happen we might feel threatened we might feel uh, <coughs> passionately a, a passionate desire So you see really that, that practicing metta with others is really again very, very similar. You're just looking at, at the, and working with the, how do you deal with the uncertainty? How do you relate, how do you read uncertainty and the unknown? Do you read it as a potentially hostile experience that you have to set up certain systems to, 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 tack, to handle, defense systems? Can we start to just say, you know, defense systems are painful to me. Maybe if I didn't, you know, can I, can I let down some of them? Can I let down many of them? Is it possible at all to let down all of them? Or at least not to carry them around continually when they're not needed, so you're not continually tensed up and, and cringing all the time. These are, these are then things we have to begin to, to witness where they are and what they are and just that, that act of, of maybe just letting it down a little bit dropping it a little bit this is metta bhavana and out of that you find a kind of when, when, the, when the 
walls go down, the heart starts to shine. You feel that radiance. It's just a natural quality. Now you can focus on particular others, you know, friends, so-called acquaintances, and relatives, and you know, then all, then all these various power positions, bosses, governors, parentals, elders, biggers. Quickers, strongers, <laughs> more intelligence, all of the ones who, you know, you can run rings around you. And uh, the, actually looking at that, that feeling that comes up, maybe. Just contemplating those images and then the feeling that comes up. And then no longer needing to fight or defend. So we start to, to dismantle some of these archetypes. When you can clear out some of these things and you begin to experience the, the, the mind's radiance, rather like any other aspect of meditation, you uh, any of the other fruits that arise from meditation, such as sustained attention, uh, carefulness, mindfulness, these are things, definite things that, that uh, become stronger and more natural, then that radiance of the mind becomes a more natural quality, and you can actually start to direct it. You know? And uh, you know, bring it forth, whether it's needed or not. You know, just just the kind of natural blessing of the world. Without when there isn't anything particularly wrong, just that uh, the 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 heart by itself naturally inclines towards a, a kind of reaching out. And we should never uh, neglect that opportunity to for that kind of exercise. Just as with with uh, when you practice mindfulness, then that, that's a that becomes a natural feature of the mind to notice things. And then you go, then if on certain times you really kind of strengthen and enhance and focus and, and push mindfulness towards particular points. You know, when you, when you, you um, put more emphasis on it. And similarly with metta, with that radiance of the mind. Because it's something that we realise uh, is so so lacking, you know, when you see how how uh, maybe how difficult it is to experience it in yourself, and even when one has lived, uh, you know, perhaps a reasonably okay kind of life, and then uh, you can always consider people who've, who've had it even worse. The poor and the uh, deprived and the chronically ill and the imprisoned and the oppressed and the brutalized and the alone and the unloved and the neglected. So we can, you know, in our meditation and contemplation, just to kind of 
bring these through the mind, these images and memories through the mind, and uh, to, to let it be touched by that. Now it may be, you know, we can say, well, it doesn't do anybody any good. But you realize that um, your directives from life very much depend upon what your, your, your volition, your actions in life very much depend upon what you're aware of and what you can feel good about. You know, what, what, is, what gives you a sense of furtherance is what you tend to, what you find yourself inclining towards, where you feel a sense of furtherance and personal growth. So then things like service and caring become more than just something nice to do for somebody else. They become uh, angles for our personal growth. A personal uh, experience of the radiance of the mind. And in, in, any, in any way in which you, you serve or, or help or care for another is always going to bring up um, the feelings that maybe you can't do enough or uh, inadequacy or, or distress. Some things are really depressing or hard to get results out of. So from that compassion, you become the, the, the finally a kind of a, the natural rejoicing of the mind in that, in doing good, in what is good. And... Um, <coughs> Equanimity, which is maybe the finest and most uh, sensitive, which is not a, not a lack of, of radiance or joy or compassion, but that there's no expectation of, of any result at all. There's no, you know, looking to make things better, which is natural enough, but always tends to cause us wobbling you know, with any, any loving action. We want, we want something back, we want improvement, we want somebody to appreciate it, or good results to occur. And because of that, that little bit of hanging on, then even the, the kindest actions uh, get stained with a sense of uncertainty or disappointment. How to cultivate with, with such purity that it's just the radiance, the giving, and the sharing. And it's not kind of pressurized and pushed into making things better. Then we find you, don't, you, you find a, a level where there's that, that, that metta and kindness are very peaceful experiences and insightful experiences. Because you always have to work with that, I want something back. I want, I want you to feel good. I want things to work out well. <clears throat> and we can let go of that. And you find then, as things work as well as they can. <clears throat> Even bringing that reflection back into your, to your own situation, your own body-mind experience. You know, do you, do you go, I've been practicing metta with this crummy body of mine for the last five years, and it still doesn't feel good. <laughs> you know, I've been practicing metta with my mind states 
why don't you, why, why they, why don't you, why don't I feel happy? You know, we're actually asking for something back. Now, now in, in reality, I mean, if you do practice metta in your mind states, they are going to shift and change. But uh, you must be careful that metta is not just a word, another, another desire system of, okay, if I give you some metta, will you behave? Will you shut up, kid, if I give you some metta? Yeah, have some metta, now shut up. <laughs> Which is not really a spirit of the practice. So, metta involves naturally you know, it fr- it, it fruits, it, it, uh, it is completed with uh, equanimity. And then we, this, the, the four metta, uh, kindness, karuna, compassion, mudita, rejoicing, enjoying, goodness, and equanimity are not separate. They are really four ways of looking at the same thing, the heart's radiance. And it's, it's a radiance with, with wisdom and insight. Compassion is a very a lover, a very attractive concepts and ideas to us. Try thinking also <coughs> just of mudita, this quality of rejoicing in what is good in yourself and in others, to celebrate what's good. To, to notice, to pick it up, even. Do you, do you, do you, you should make a conscious act of noticing what's good in yourself. It won't take long. Say, <laughs> so, not, not much to ask there. But I, like the thing... <laughs> And when we have a retreat situation like this, then, for example, just uh, say that, that to, to, learn, to live more simply, you know, to, to develop a sense of self-discipline, restraint, and a bit of renunciation, that's a very good thing to do. Not everybody can do that. Even if you feel lousy with it. And, you know, you're still, the fact that one, one can actually develop that sense of, well, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to stay with it, you know, what is that? That is worthy of respect. That's a, that's a good quality. If you sit, and you sit, you know, and you come to a sitting and, you know, you feel pretty out of it, but you still, you know, sort of like a resolution to, to keep practicing, to keep with it, is worthy of, of celebrating that quality. The Buddha mind itself, that witnessing in our own mind, is, is a great source of delight. It's, it's the, the greatest celebration we can experience, to recognize that within us is that which goes beyond every birth and death that you can experience in this lifetime. Every thought, every moment, every fear, every dread, every attainment, every loss of it. There's, there's that, and to, to celebrate that, to celebrate the fact that um, you know you, there's a whole assembly of people. You know? and so you get for that you get the feeling of confidence that it's not just some odd thing that you that you're kind of hidden away in your loft, loft of your house doing as a, some kind of crank, but that you can actually you know, come out as it were. 
and uh, so you feel like a natural way of being you can, with like-minded people. That's something worth celebrating. Well, I find, um, like with, with, with group practice, for example, you've got to look at it that way, because otherwise there's no, no real, there's very little advantage in it. Yeah. If you don't experience a sense of, of gladness at this, witnessing the practice of others, being part of the practice of others, not just kind of an isolated quirk, but something, part of something grand and vast that, that takes along all different kinds of characters and, and mind states and people and, and ages and groups of all kinds. Part of that, that's a celebration to be part of the awakening of humanity. And these, these, um, these reflections, these, these openings, when you know that radiance of the mind takes us into a, into a vastness, rather than the, the tendency to get very petty and small, and you know, always, oh, I'm not doing this very well, and why, you know, when am I going to get out of it? I'm not very well. And you get to a very narrow-minded, um, and your mind gets kind of crabby. If you don't, if you don't at least exercise sometime the sense of vision and grandness and, and all-encompassing and <coughs> sangha and, and the totality of, of, of beings and all the beings in this, in this retreat and all the beings in this retreat center and all the staff and the administrators and all the teachers who've come and gone before and all the people who brought this tradition along and all the enlightened ones of the past and all the good practices of the past, the Sangha, who, who if it wasn't for them, then this lifeline would have been broken. You know, the rejoicing in that and the sense of belonging to that, then we find we would tap into, a, into, the, into the radiance of the spirit, into a, into a life channel that can take you along when your own willpower and your own sense of what I'm doing starts to falter and get shaky. And that, uh, just to turn, into, turn on to that, is maybe the, the, the strongest basis for the fruition of metta bhavana, the, the radiance of the mind. Because it's not something you have to, to create, it's just to stop creating the things that block it. The fears and the, and the powers and the and the, the, the fixed entities and the past and the future and the self. And then this is a, a natural expression. As you practice today, just, just, just kind of consider like, like practicing in a context of however many people there are here. You know, so you move around as one element in a totality. You know, you're cleaning things, you're kind of serving people. You're, you're, when you're cleaning up, you know, you're cleaning up for the welfare of others. When you're serving people, it's for the welfare of others. Others are helping you. you know, the teachers are helping you. You're, you. You should be helping them, you know, with your, with your practice. And the... the how beautiful it is any the smallest action of of 
kindness towards another, another human, just like, you know, smiling doesn't involve a tremendous amount of effort. Just to kind of look and smile at another human. And kind of stand back, offer. Not, you know, why should I offer anything to you? You're just as good. I know you're no better than I am. <laughs> you know, but how to just offer to each other? You know, offering a seat, offering a place, passing things along, <coughs> helping out. It doesn't have to be a kind of compulsive restlessness, but to to recognise that, to to relate to that chance in a, in life where there's no personalities involved. You don't have to talk to anybody. You don't have to win anybody over. It's just purely the people here, they'll be calm, they'll be gone. You're something you never see again in your life. There's no, there's no holding. It's, you're not trying to establish fixed relationships. You're just cultivating that free, no, no, no need to return anything. Just that free flow of the natural radiance of the mind.